Welcome to the Kintsugi Life podcast with me, Toby Hazelwood. Kintsugi Life is about learning, growing and strengthening from the times of adversity and challenge that we all go through. It's about valuing them as part of what makes us who we are. Right now, let's get into the content. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Kintsugi Life podcast with me, Toby Hazelwood. In this episode, I want to talk about how I've reframed the divorce that I went through in around 2007 in order to to kind of keep it in perspective. And um, it's the idea that divorce is actually just the end of a marriage, not the end of the world. And it's what I really want to talk about and share what I've learned through divorcing, dating and eventually remarrying and how I believe this is a good model for reframing the difficult experiences we go through in life. When we fail in any aspect of life, it triggers a variety of responses. Some take it as a sign they weren't meant to achieve that thing and they quit. Others believe that events outside of their control were responsible, that they couldn't possibly be the problem themselves and so they keep on doing what they've always done. Chances are those people fail again. The last response, the healthy and positive way of responding to failure, is to use it as an opportunity to learn, grow and become better equipped to succeed next time. That's the approach I wish I defaulted to when I failed at all times, and I suspect most people would aspire to the same. My biggest failure to date in terms of its effects in defining the course of my life would be my first marriage, which ended in divorce in 2007. The scale of that failure isn't down to that parting having been especially scarring emotionally or financially, but simply for the effects it had in shaping my life since. I met and married the woman who was my first serious girlfriend and would become my first wife when we were both still relatively young. I'd just graduated from university and I was starting out in my career brimming with optimism and enthusiasm. She was still in her final year at university. We started seeing each other and within just a few short months we were expecting our first daughter who was born just before my 24th birthday. We eventually married, had another child and spent a few years of event-filled marriage together before reluctantly acknowledging just before my 30th birthday that we needed to part. It was about as amicable a split as you could imagine. Neither of us blamed each other but we'd gotten together under non-ideal circumstances and done our best to make a go of it in spite of not being right for each other. We were resolute that we both still had a lot of life to live, and we were still young enough to start over, so the decision was taken and duly enacted. We shared a commitment and desire to raise our daughters jointly and cooperatively. While our relationship as a couple was over, our relationship as parents to our kids would last for life. For the last 12 years, we've shared custody on an equal 50-50 basis. That relationship, its events and its subsequent demise have shaped many aspects of my life since, including where I live, what I do for work and how I spend my time. In this episode, I want to share why, in spite of having had such a significant and far-reaching impact on my life, divorce didn't discourage me from finding another person to love and eventually marry. I learned a great deal about myself and about life in the process of divorcing and in the years that followed. I've since remarried and my second and final wife and I have a blended family of six, with two daughters, mine and her kids from her first marriage. It's the lessons that life's furnished me with since divorcing that I want to share now. 
I should add that I've often had some pretty toxic and destructive relationships too since divorcing, so much of the advice I have to share is based on the lessons learned through those experiences as well. I think the first thing to appreciate is that divorce is the end of a legal arrangement and not the end of our life. I appreciate that not every divorce will be as amicable as mine was and that factors such as abuse and infidelity play a part in many divorces, leaving scars that are much harder to deal with and harder to heal than the mere emotional pain of parting. Nonetheless, a typical response when relationships fail is to swear off them for life since they appear too difficult, too painful or destined to fail and bring pain and hurt in their wake. Several times, both after divorcing and the failing of a number of subsequent relationships, I was resolute that I would spend the rest of my life alone, by choice. With the passing of time though, the evolutionary honed drive for companionship would eventually kick in as the pain gradually healed, and on each occasion I'd gradually come back around to wanting to date again, not out of a love for the process, but out of a desire to achieve the end state, to meet a partner for life. The drive for companionship is a compelling one within us. Even if you're resolute that you don't ever want a relationship again after divorcing, divorcing doesn't have to be a burden or a label that you carry around forevermore. By putting in the work to heal, to rebuild and reinforce your own identity and resolve, and by forgiving your past self, you'll hopefully find, as I did, that you're better equipped to grow and thrive in life, divorced or not. A failed marriage doesn't have to stop you from believing in love or in romance. It doesn't even have to undermine your faith in the institution of marriage. I didn't have particularly strong desires towards marriage myself, and I felt that having kids together was a strong enough bond to keep us together if that relationship was destined to endure. Which, of course, the, our bond has remained and we've remained good parents, but I don't believe we've suffered as a result of parting. The romance, the mutual support, affection, kindness and companionship can and should all exist with or without marriage. Nonetheless, divorce didn't dissuade me from wanting to be married again, if only I could find the right person to be with. The fact is, we have to kiss a few frogs to find our ideal person. In an ideal world, we'd all be fully self-reliant and happy in ourselves before getting involved with anyone else. I was young and naive when I met my ex-wife, and far from certain about who I was and what I wanted. I suspect the same was true for her too, and that probably paid, played a big part in our eventual divorce. Finding the right person only comes through refining your ideas of what you want and what you need in another person. It's about learning who you are and what your strengths and shortcomings are in yourself. This self-awareness only comes when we go through life, when we meet a few people and have a few relationships. We learn what works and what doesn't, and only then can we be certain of what we want and need. That's not to say that there are those few rare people who meet and marry their childhood sweethearts, and it doesn't mean that they've got it all wrong or that they're doomed to fail. But I know of very few examples of this kind of couple, and they're certainly the exception rather than the norm in my experience. Perhaps I'm focusing just on the positives in my own situation rather than being truly objective. Many of the facets that drew me to my second wife were appealing and attractive precisely because I'd recognised their importance through them being lacking in past relationships. I firmly believe there's someone for everyone though, and it's often not who you think it might be. A failed marriage might leave you with feelings about what you want and don't want in a future match. It doesn't necessarily have to be the case though that your ideal person is nothing like your ex. There are of course those traits and characteristics that drew you to them in the first place, and those are valid for seeking in another. 
we have to kiss a few frogs to find our prince or princess. The fact is that nobody else will make you happy until you're happy in yourself. I'm restating this as it's so important, but too often we seek relationships as a crutch or a fix for something that's broken or lacking in ourselves. Instead, we should address these shortcomings and do the work on ourselves to make sure that we're complete, self-sufficient and self-reliant before seeking our match. Looking back, I dated women who didn't have kids since I thought their, their freedom from parenthood might restore a feeling of liberation in my own life. I dated single mothers who I thought might empathise to my circumstances and make it easier to build a life together. In each instance, my motives were positive, but in every instance, I learned something new about what I did or didn't want. Not everything can be captured on a checklist of desirable and undesirable traits. It was only when I recognised I needed to do the work on myself and focus on becoming the best version of me that I could be that I'd be ready to meet the right person. And so I put in that work and I put the search on hold until I felt that progress had been made. In reality, you don't have to hate your ex, but you don't have to remain friends either. This isn't just in terms of divorce either, but in the failing of relationships more widely. I get unwell with my ex-wife and our shared commitment and ethos regarding parenting of our kids demands quite a bit of interaction. We're civil, polite and respectful and I care about her well-being just as she does about mine. I'm not sure I'd define us as friends though. If we didn't have the kids, I doubt we'd see each other from one year to the next. In my experience, it's not an indictment on your character if you don't remain friends after a divorce or a breakup. There are plenty of good reasons to be civil to each other, but to remain friends is often suggested, I think, as an appeasement of conscience by one or both of the people involved, to suggest that there are no hard feelings. Instead, a lot of the time I believe it's best to accept the failing and to move forwards cleanly, politely, politely and hopefully with dignity, regardless of what led to the split. It's been my experience that the baggage from failed relationships has immense power to undermine new relationships though, and the same is true whether that baggage exists in refusing to forgive someone and having, hanging on to anger, or whether there's a pseudo-friendship between former partners. Egos are frail, and self-confidence can be a fragile thing too. The influence of baggage is often very detrimental from past relationships as it threatens both of these things. If something's broken beyond repair, I believe there's little point in trying to salvage more than you reasonably can from it. Accept the split, learn the lessons and move on. The same principle applies to clinging on to anger, frustration and upset too. The only person it hurts when you don't let go is yourself. Chances are that if the instigator was genuinely unpleasant, they'll have long since forgotten about what they did to you and will be spreading their misery elsewhere. Your clinging on to the past doesn't affect them, only yourself. Forgive and let go for your benefit, not for theirs. Having a past doesn't have to equate to baggage and pain either. I suppose that much of my advice boils down to this. It's up to how we respond to the failure of relationships, the marks that it leaves upon us and how we move forwards in life. If we can't move past the memories or let go of the pain and baggage, then we're never going to be freed to move on and live the rest of our lives. It's easier said than done, of course, but only by going through the hard times can we truly appreciate what is good. Only by putting in the work can we free ourselves to get back in the game, to take forward the lessons and see who might be the person we deserve to meet and spend our life with. In my darkest times, I'd lost the belief that I'd ever be able to let go of the past. I lost faith that there was anyone out there who I was meant to be with. In time, I learned that there was though. 
I just had to believe in that, to do the work and allow time to pass in order that I could one day get to the point where I could meet them. The reward for doing so was to meet the person I was destined to be with. We're happily married and I can say with some certainty we will be for life. Divorcing from my first marriage didn't consign me to a life of loneliness and unhappiness. Indeed, it was a necessary part of my process and an integral part of giving me the life that I have now. And for that, I'm truly grateful. I hope you find that useful when you're contemplating difficult times and hardships you're facing. And until next time, this is Toby saying goodbye. You've been listening to the Kintsugi Life Podcast with me, Toby Hazelwood. You can email me on toby at tobyhazelwood.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love for you to leave me a positive review if you feel unworthy of one. And I'd also love for you to share this with anyone else who you think might benefit from the content. Until next time, this is Toby Hazelwood saying goodbye.